Welcome to OsteoCast, where we talk all things osteopathy, functional anatomy, and movement. With your hosts, myself, Colby Brokel, Amanda Boysen, and Sarah Pucal. Welcome back to another episode of OsteoCast. Uh, today it's myself, Colby, and the other hosts, Sarah and Amanda. Hello. Today we are going to jam just a little bit about uh, growing the osteopathic community and working as an osteopathic practitioner within the community with other alternative health cares and medical professionals and how we communicate with some of them and some of the most common ways of um, beginning those relationships and maintaining those relationships, as well as working within a clinical setting or a, a multidisciplinary clinic setting and working as a solo practitioner in your own clinic. So we just wanted to, like the purpose of this podcast is to kind of share some of our experiences and how we work with other practitioners. Um, if you have your own ways of doing this or, or other ways of doing it, please shoot us a message because we're always trying to learn and better ourselves as well as our network. So don't be shy, shoot us a message on any of your thoughts and we will obviously take them into consideration and, and hopefully improve how we deal with other patients and practitioners as well. So um, first things first to kick it off, we're talking about uh, the growth of the osteopathic community. <clears throat> so I don't know about uh, you guys, but where I live here in Windsor, there's uh, a very high amount. There's lots of students right now in osteopathy and there's lots of students that will soon enough be osteopathic practitioners in the area, which is great because we've gone from two or three practitioners to probably seven or eight now. And I'm going to guess in the next couple of years, there'll be 15 or 20, which is a really cool thing. Um, but it's really important for me to keep in touch with these students as they become practitioners to try and develop a, a network of like-minded osteos so that we can have conversations and bounce ideas off each other for growth. Um, are either of you guys experiencing something like this in your areas? Yes, there are quite a few osteopathic students coming up uh, in the Stratford area as well, so which is incredible because the demand is there. We need more osteos to help more people um, and to help just educate generally the public on our knowledge and how you can help yourself and help the body. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely more people becoming aware of osteopathy and noticing that osteopaths are being included in more multidisciplinary settings in our area. Um, for myself, um, making sure that we can chat to one another and making sure that we're working and growing as individuals, but as a group, um, at least within my clinic setting is, is super important so that we're all kind of pushing to be our best and making sure that we're communicating with other practitioners, um, or professionals in the area as well to keep those open lines of communication to best help the patient. Perfect. Right on. Um, are you guys doing anything in particular to try and grow the osteopathic community in your area? Or are you just keeping a, an open mindset and, and open communication pathways with those people? Like, is there any sort of um, you know, chat group or are you guys having meetings or anything like that? So whenever I have other practitioners that are treating patients, I'm reaching out um, and chatting with them on an as-need basis there and communicating as needed. Um, I also do some networking activities within the area through the chamber um, and through different networking groups. So growing the awareness of osteopathy within the community is a big part of that. Um, and then just as a clinic in my clinic setting, we also do personal and um, professional growth days. So we get together in the clinic 
and work through different things so that as individuals, we're able to make sure that we're growing our skill set um, and we're constantly learning and we're working through problems that we we have in the clinic as well. Nice. Yeah, there's an osteopathic clinic in Stratford where they try to do personal development days, like you were saying, Mandy. Um, so they, as they're not working with other osteos at my clinic, they've included me in those days, which is very kind of them. Um, so that will be great just to get together with colleagues, talk about different patterns, different lesions we're going through, just work on different skill sets. And then regarding uh, osteopathy in the community, I definitely feel like it's the awareness is growing. And I think it's a combination of word of mouth, social media, uh, and just more people um, wanting to see results when they haven't been getting results elsewhere for quite a long time. Right on. Cool. Um, in our area, it's, it's similar. There's quite a few practitioners now, and it's the same idea where we're keeping in touch with the, the other practitioners or the other students locally. And of course, going through some study days or helping them with um, some of their studies or questions they may have. And then obviously we can bounce ideas back and forth, which is great for development, but also good for just developing relationships with people that are in the same profession, which I find is very important because there's not a lot of us, right? The other thing that we all do, I'm pretty sure, is we're all on the preceptor list for um, students who can come and shadow our practices. So um, that's another part of bringing in those students and making sure that that option is there for them to learn from a practitioner that's currently running a practice. I know I found that really helpful as a student. Yeah, no, that's good. And it brings... Thoughts to, to us as well, because as the students come in, they share some of the things that they're learning or they ask quite a few questions that other people may not ask. And then sometimes that stimulates thought as well. Do you guys have non-osteopathic practitioners coming to your study groups or trying to connect with you? Not or from like a learning the, perspective? Yeah, not to the study groups. Um, those have been kept mostly osteopathic in nature. But I have uh, conversations regularly with other practitioners because whenever I have patients who share um, practitioners or or see more than one practitioner at a time, I always try and reach out and create uh, some sort of a working relationship to make sure that we're both working uh, in the right direction for the patient's sake. And sometimes that grows from just uh, reporting about a patient to more of a relationship where we can bounce some ideas off each other or ask each other for help. So mine would be more on an individual basis like that, opposed to the study group itself. Yeah, I would say the same thing. Our study days are typically set for, um, local students in the area that are coming up that are, um, have some sort of connection to the, the clinic and practitioners within the clinic and other professionals that are in other osteopathic professionals that are in the surrounding area that come. Nice. That's awesome. It is really helpful to work with other practitioners. Like it's nice when you have your referring professionals to create a team for your clientele because we all have different scopes of practices. So we, we do need each other to be as efficient as possible. Totally. It's also mm-hmm. nice because they have different ways of thinking or working through problems that we may not have been exposed to. So you can see how they deal with issues where you can have those conversations. And sometimes that's hugely helpful to open up uh, some other thought processes when dealing with patients and essentially become a better practitioner. Well, and how many people do you know in your clinic 
um, and this is kind of a rhetorical question, but that come to your clinic and they're not seeing some other type of practitioner. Um, it's pretty common that most people are doing something um, else. So it's important to make sure that you understand how those professions work, what their scope of practice is. And like you said, how they deal with it, how they're looking at problems or how they're, they're dealing with problems. Because again, we do have different scopes of practice and we do look at the body in different ways. So understanding that and how that helps you understand how you can best um, help your patients. Yeah. And just talking about the Osprey community in general, I noticed that in the last year, I have more and more patients coming in for treatment and we're the first place they've gone to instead of being the last place. Cause for so long in our community yeah. anyways, patients would come in and they've already seen Cairo or massage or physio or, or acupuncture, other variations of practitioners, which is awesome. And I'm happy that they're seeing other practitioners, but um, we were always kind of like the last resort that nobody knew about. And I can tell that osteopathy is growing in the community because now I'm starting to have people who have headaches all of a sudden, and they've been referred by one of their friends from work to see an osteo. And that's their first place that they're going to, which is really cool just to see that, the profession is starting to gain some traction in our community. Yeah, it's definitely so awesome to see the shift. Yeah. So do you guys ever have other healthcare practitioners reach out to you that you share a mutual client with, or do you find you usually make the first approach? I find that uh, it goes both ways. Um, oftentimes... Yeah, it's it's pretty equal. Sometimes I have people that reach out to me and, and I almost always, when I know we have a, a patient that's in active treatment with, with myself and other practitioners, I almost always reach out because we always want to have the best interest for the patient in mind. And if the patient's seeing four different practitioners and no one is communicating and no one's working together, it's likely that the patient's not going to get the results they're looking for and they're probably going to spend time and money on treatment that isn't necessary. So in some cases I've had practitioners reach out or um, I know Amanda was mentioning this before we got on the podcast. Sometimes you'll just have a note or a letter brought from another practitioner that says what they found and what the diagnosis is that they're sending over to you. And you can review it that way. I always reach out to get more detail and have a conversation. Um, sometimes uh, they answer and sometimes they don't. And sometimes you have good conversations, but uh, I always reach out just to try and develop a little bit of a relationship and networking from there. For sure. I think that's definitely an important thing to reach out. And just, just mentioning about that comment of patients coming in with that note. Um, I remember feeling a little bit overwhelmed by that when uh, I was a very brand new practitioner um, and just fresh out of school and feeling like I had to go in and assess that area or, I mean, always you will, but um, kind of got tied up in what that practitioner was finding and trying to see if what I could find would match and um, very quickly learned that I'm just still going to do my own assessment. I'm still going to make sure that, you know, what I find and what I'm doing um, is helping the patient and trusting my hands and, and, and looking at it still from only an osteopathic scope of practice um, because how we look at the bodies like we were talking about before is different. Um, and if you are a new practitioner and that's happening, always reach out and have that conversation, but you've been taught your way of assessing and treating the body. And that's what you're going to stick to no matter what. Always. Yeah. Always. But I do feel like there is almost a bit of a disservice by not working with any other healthcare practitioners. 
And like maybe for some clients, you don't need to refer to other people. But I feel like at least 50% of the time you do for different reasons, whether you need a naturopath on your in your scope to help with nutrition. Um, I find that's a big one. A little bit of acupuncture, depending how inflamed and um, how their nervous system is reacting as well. It's just another way into the body. If there has been a lot of trauma or you're having trouble getting into the body as quick as you'd like with treatment or other modalities. But there's also the opposite. Sometimes people do too much and they're trying to throw the kitchen sink at it. Yeah, I think it's really patient dependent. There's a balance there that needs to be considered. And that's why it's important to reach out and see what they're doing and what's going on and, and work to find that balance for that particular patient, right? That being said, though, it, yeah. sometimes so it's also dictated and guided by the patient themselves, meaning sometimes patients will want to have everything going on at once and you have to slow them down. Sometimes you want to add things to it and you have to ask them for it. But sometimes patients don't have the time or money to afford something. So you have to consider what is best for them at this time. Is it best for them to see the naturopath? Is it best for them to see a chiro or a physio or the osteo and help guide them in that direction? Because you also want to make sure that you're not keeping them as a patient when that's not the most appropriate plan of care for them. For sure. And I think too, there's definitely been time in my, in my osteopathic practice where I've had to say to patients, I, I don't think our timing is right at the moment. Like you need to have this, this or this, done or maybe come back and see me in a few months when when things have calmed down or or timing is better um and that's just what has to happen for the patient to be able to get better and heal and come back to you in a space where they're able to get treatment absolutely what do you mean by that like can you give an example um so more so that happens when they're throwing the kitchen sink at everything so they're trying to do um so many things or starting so many things at the exact same time. And myself as a practitioner, I'm not comfortable putting myself in that mix of trying 10 new things all in one space of time. So get, you know, go off, do those other things or do what you need to do. And once things have calmed down or things have regulated, or you're not, you know, starting physio, chiro and massage all in, you know, the last two weeks, come back and see me when, you know, you're on a plan of care where it's not that everybody's trying to see you and fix the acute flare up of a chronic situation. Yeah. yeah. Because most of the time those, and myself included, when someone is in an acute care scenario versus a chronic care scenario, the the timing and the frequency of treatments changes, the type of treatment you might be providing or the tools you might be using to try and get the body into a more stable state is different. Um, so we want to make sure that we're Again, giving the client the best care that they need. And if they're getting too much treatment all in a short span of time, their body doesn't have time to adapt to that treatment. And when it can't adapt to that treatment, it can't balance or stabilize things. And they're really just doing like they're not going to get the benefit from it. Exactly. And so. Do you find your clients are receptive if you ask them to just only do osteopathy just to see if it's working, to see how they react to it? I think it depends where the clients are. I would say that there's, if it's, they're the type of client, like Colby mentioned there for a long time, it used to be that we were the last resort or I would find that as well in my clinic. Yeah. And when it came to that point, they were like, Oh, I'm not doing anything else because nothing else has worked. So when you ask them that question, you know, give me four or five treatments, they don't care. They're, they're just want someone to fix their problem. 
Yeah. Um, I would say that some people who are new clients, maybe who are literally trying, oh, my back has, you know, been really sore for the last week and I can't do anything and I can't go to work. And they're going to massage and Cairo and physio and then coming to see you for the first time. They don't necessarily, they understand your point and they can appreciate it, but they just, again, they're just such in such a desperate state that they want to be fixed that it sometimes can come across frustrating for them. Um, but I do have a spot in my intake forms where I ask who else they're seeing and frequency of treatment and when their last treatment was so that if they're booking an initial appointment and they say, you know, and I can see that they filled it out properly, I normally call them and have a conversation before they even walk into my office so that there is, it isn't felt like there's any time being wasted. If, if that person is doing all those other things, or we can have that conversation before they even walk in. Yeah, I do the same thing in my practice. Yeah, that's smart. But yeah, and sometimes people don't fill that that part out. So sometimes you don't know. Um, sometimes they just leave it, or they think it's not important. Or I've had that happen too. And then when you bring that to their attention, then they're like, "Oh, well." And I would just say I would have had that conversation before you got here um, if I had it known. So it's partially a communication thing too. But if you're ever unsure, reaching out, having a phone call, leaving a message, and asking for a phone call back. Um, I've had a lot of people reach out and um, prior to treatment, like prior to booking even, and we're able to have a solid conversation. Um, sometimes it just takes five or 10 minutes to have that conversation before they even book an appointment. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I also find uh, when you speak to that topic anyways, I also find with uh, with patients when you're asking them to do just osteopathic care, it totally is based on the kind of patient as Amanda had said, but I also find that if you have a, a good conversation and explain to them why you may recommend that, most people are quite receptive to it. Um, some all, some still won't be because they, they always want to go see a certain practitioner. But for the most part, if you have a conversation that uh, that's on the basis of essentially tell them that their body is can be already be overwhelmed and especially if there's someone who knows that their body's overwhelmed like they're in a, a hyper or a very sympathetic state or they're constantly sick or other symptoms that they're having you can have a brief discussion about those symptoms that they've made notes on and that it shows that they're already at a, a hyper uh, stimulated state and if you can try and reduce that stimulation that be maybe helpful for them so they're often receptive to that and then the other scenario that I find this happens in is sometimes we need to send for not only just for red flags, but for information to the medical field to send for imaging or testing and whatnot before we can safely provide treatment. And sometimes that's a conversation that's difficult for people because you need to see some level of, of information before you can begin care. Um, but it's also, it's always about the patient's best interest and their best health. And we have to make sure that we're being safe that way as well. Yeah. And I've had people be the reaction to that be, Oh, wow, they're really doing their due diligence. And I've had people react to that in, well, my massage therapist is seeing me. So that means you can see me. I don't need to go to my doctor. And so that can be. It goes both ways. For not sure. frustrating, but. Um, it can be hard to have those conversations, especially if you haven't had to have one of those conversations. Um, so sticking to what you know and sticking to your gut is important in that situation. Absolutely. Well, and ultimately, I feel like the patient is grateful and appreciates the education and your due diligence as a healthcare practitioner. Yeah. 
Like I, For sure. Really yeah. And from a safety perspective, it's extremely important as a practitioner. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I think when they do have a hard time with it and you've explained it the best you can, then it's just, you know, they're not a good fit. Like they're probably not a patient you want anyway. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Which is maybe a whole other conversation we can have too. Yeah. That's a whole other, whole other can of worms there, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, gotcha. So in conclusion to everything we've talked about today, uh, I would suggest as a practitioner that you put some time aside on a, you know, bi-weekly or a monthly basis to have some conversations and network, whether that's with uh, students in the surrounding area, other osteopathic practitioners in the surrounding area, or with other professions in the area having an open mind and being open to communication with those people is huge and making sure that you put some time aside to actually have those conversations and, and develop some relationships. Cause that will go a long way for not only your career, but also making sure that your patients are taking care of the best that they can be. So just keep an open mind. Don't be shy to communicate and make sure that you put some time aside to communicate. Otherwise it'll always be something on the to-do list that just gets pushed to the week after and the week after and the week after. And that's pretty easy, right? Just send an email. There you go. You've you've reached out. Yeah, send an email. Well, and it's super easy. And it's super easy to connect with people over Zoom. So I think if the pandemic's taught us anything, is that you know it's super super convenient to be able to connect with someone, even if it's fifteen or twenty minutes. Um, and you need to have that face to face conversation, or you're trying to network maybe with another professional in the community or another osteopathic practitioner. You have a a question. Um, reaching out can be super easy. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, do you guys have anything to add awesome. about developing the osteopathic community and or working with other practitioners? No, I think we just need to keep working together and keep educating each other and our clients and it will just overall help everybody have a better quality of life. Absolutely. And just keeping the conversation going. So as a community, don't hesitate to reach out to any of us on our Instagram or Facebook because we want to hear from you and we'd love to hear your ideas around this topic. Beautiful. Cool. Well, thank you guys for listening today. Just as Amanda said, reach out to us on uh, Instagram or Facebook. Instagram is at osteocast underscore. Facebook is just osteocast. If you guys have any questions or would like to, to share or discuss patients or whatever it may be, we love doing that stuff. We're all obsessed with osteopathy. So don't think you're going to be a burden to us. Otherwise, we appreciate you guys listening and we will chat with you guys next week. Awesome. Thanks for listening.